Welcome to the Resound Worship Songwriting Podcast, Episode 78. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song Refiner's Fire by Brian Dirksen, and we'll be kicking off a new season of the 12 Song Challenge. I I made it sound like I was on the hockey there, (laughs) (laughs) which... Which is a darts reference to those who don't know. <laughs> On the hockey, it's the 12-song challenge! <laughs> they also introduced snooker players like that as well, curiously, for such a sedate sport. I thought it was like wrestling. Oh, maybe, yeah, it probably is also that. <laughs> what would your wrestling name be, Sam? Um, Skinny Papa. That's quite good, actually, yeah. I'll go with that. All right, Skinny. Um, so... Uh, What's yours? What, my wrestling name? Oh, yeah. No, I can't think of stuff off the top of my head. You know I can't. Oh, maximum pain. <gasps> yes, please. That's it. My son spelt, spelt is going to love that. I'm going to tell him tonight <laughs> that's my wrestling name. He's going to be in awe. Except he will say, no, no. He'll instantly go, no, 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 no. You should be called Big Fire Twist Pain Gun. <laughs> so well i'll let you know next month listeners whether that's what my wrestling name reverts to um sam have you been for the past month or so oh wow yes well um without mentioning the l word um it's been all right we've got new uh colleagues at engage worship oh yeah who i uh interviewed in the last uh, mini episode uh he and his wife have just started working for engage worship so that's been my main thing really kind of inducting them and he and i did some zoom training for a whole bunch of people that booked in through engage uh the last couple of weeks and yeah so sort of trying to oh and i i don't know if you heard uh but i've been uh just slightly too timing you because i started a new podcast um <laughs> Timo and I started it. It's called the 24 Song Challenge. And uh, you have to write two songs a month. Wow, and it's twice the value. It's brilliant. I know. It's cheaper than the result. No, no, I'm joking about all this. Um, no, uh, the, the new podcast is called... Uh, Dice, um, no, what's it called? Come on. Can't be it's that called... good. It's memorable, I was going to say, di- say Dissect a Classic, but that's what I thought. Um, it's called Disrupting Worship. Oh. And it's about Tambourines. what are people... Yes. <laughs> yes like when the fire alarm goes off no it's about our experience of lockdown and covid and da 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 and what have we learned and how do we want worship to change as a result of what we've been through that is brilliant i have to say i did notice that you have been um off doing, doing your other thing i saw you had my my colleague hannah yes hannah was brilliant hannah and we had pete on that one and then uh the one after that uh, which will be out by the time people hear this is with Andy Flanagan, cool. uh, also of this parish, and uh, he is at. We talk about um, honesty and and hurt and and challenges of, of all that. Um, yeah, and we have got some other great guests coming up. So it's really conversations. It's it's chats with people, and we sort of let it go where it goes. So mm. I'm enjoying doing it. Would you say it was nearly as good as this podcast? 
It is nearly. It doesn't have Dissect Classic. Yeah, fair enough. It doesn't have any of your jingles. Are there no jingles? So, no. You only have to ask, you know. I'll, I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll come up with a, um, you know, a feature that needs a jingle. Okay. How about you, Joel? Well, Sam, I have moved house in the last month. That was quite exciting. Um, we we uh, downsized from a, a four-bedroom house into a two-bedroom bungalow. So it has a floor plan about 30% of what we had before. So wow. it's been quite a squeeze. And there's a lot of stuff in the loft. Um, and uh, you may hear noises from the... Uh, sort of drills and things because my father-in-law is busy converting the garage into an office for me as we speak very kindly oh, that's nice. um so yeah it's pretty cool very exciting they beautiful garden we've moved into a village um be close to school and and people and stuff we've got a little brook running across the back of our garden it's absolutely gorgeous oh, i can idyllic. paddle in it if you want um so yeah it's been really nice but that has you know what it's like that kind of consumes you for a while um yeah. and actually we moved into a spot which has virtually no mobile phone reception and took a couple of weeks to get the internet installed so it's sort of like being on holiday for a couple of weeks it was nice. lovely no no contact with the outside world which is you know how i would have it all the time if it were up to me but <laughs> sadly you do have to interact with people so there you go. So we've yeah, mainly doing that um, and had some fun working on a, a new song that, from, by Andy Clark, which we'll play you at the end of the show, Brilliant. which is uh, super fun. And um, it's as if it, it's a complete surprise to Andy and everyone else that this song came out of him because it's so chirpy and cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy really likes to channel his inner radio head in most songs. And I think he found, yeah. he found writing this quite a challenge to him, his identity. But there you go. Great <laughs> song. Well done. Let's dissect a classic. Dissect a classic. In this regular slot on the show, we take a classic worship song and uh, we pick it to pieces, find out what's good about it. Um, we uh, make our own suggestions for how it might be improved. And this week, we are going to dissect the classic song Purify My Heart or Refiner's Fire by Brian Dirksen. Bonafide classic, no doubt about it, all over the world, sung by 1989, I think this one was written, um, mm. and that's 30 years of it just being sung in all kinds of places. Um, we interviewed Brian on podcast episode 23 in what I have to say I think is my favourite interview I've done on the podcast, and uh, we thought we'd start by playing a clip from where Brian is talking about how he wrote this song. If we can just go back again to, to some of those early days, um, one of the things we often tell people on our podcast and if we're working with them as songwriters is um, don't expect to just be sitting there and God just puts a song in your head. Uh, or, you know, mm. don't, don't expect to just give it to you and there it is. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't usually work like that. But I th am I right in saying that actually for one of your most well-known songs, that's, that pretty much is the story or certainly part of the story with, um, with Refiner's Fire? Is that... Well, I think, um, and I can respond both generally and specifically, maybe yeah. I'll start generally to say is I, I really struggle with the language, you know, God gave me that song yeah. because I don't believe God gives us songs. I think God gives us seeds and seed is that, is that the gap? It's the aha moment. It's the, oh, I need a song that says X or it's the melodic little phrase that pops into your head but it definitely almost never comes by trying to get you know in a super spiritual state of mind you just live 
And then the ideas sometimes come at unusual points. Um, for me, Refiner's Fire was literally, I, I told you, you know, the bit of the story of Father, I want you to hold me well. So now my baby daughter's like six months old. I'm working at a local church. It's lunch break. I, I only live a mile or two from the church. So I go home for my lunch break. Got, got to go see my baby girl, you know? Yeah. And then, okay, it's time to go back to work and lunch break's done. So I'm getting in the car and I'm driving back to the church office and pull up at a traffic light. And all of a sudden, I'm having this God encounter, this moment where the presence of God hits me so strong. And it's like I describe it, it's really hard to put it into words, but it's like there's this presence right outside the window. It's like something, someone has drawn alongside my car with a message for me. I don't know whether it's angelic, I don't know what it is, I can't see anything, but I hear it. Like, And this, it's like this presence starts to sing. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold. And then gold just kind of fades away. And then it starts again. Purify my... And I'm like, what the heck? You know, like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, God is visiting me at a traffic stoplight. Yeah. And, and planting a seed so profound that I... So I go... And then the light turns... And cars are behind me, and I have to start driving. And I almost didn't want to leave. It became like a little sacred spot, right? But I had to just drive on and got to the office, and I told the secretary, hold all calls. I'm having uh, some strong inspiration for a song, and I grab my Bible and a thesaurus and a concordance and I my guitar, and I go to some back corner of the church where nobody's going to find me. And I write draft one of the song that is now, you know, known as Refiner's Fire, or Purify My Heart. And I had the seed was a complete gift, you know, it was that first phrase. And then I wrote the song around that, um, responding to that. And, you know, now if I had, you know, the same seed, the song may be a little different, right? You know, yeah. But that's what I wrote at that moment, 19, what was that, 1989. Oh, I love that. That was so good. I know. It's, he knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? It makes you want to go back and listen to the whole interview again, doesn't it? Is, are you suggesting that... Uh, well, you could just stop. What, and just go and do it <laughs> now? Yeah, sure. No, no, I think we should carry on. But honestly, it's such a good interview. Um, yeah, and new listeners to the podcast, do delve back into the archive because there is loads of great people, you know, that we've interviewed over the years. So um, there's lots there to, to go and, and trawl through. But yeah, I love that. I love the way that he's so, you know, he's he's holding the tension, isn't he, between God is literally speaking to him, mm. you know, <laughs> lines of a song. And yet he's he's very clearly saying, yeah, but this is going to get processed through me. It's, it's a seed. It's going to, you know, it's going to come out in my language. If I wrote it now, it would be different to if I wrote it then and... It's very, very real. I think that is a, a wonderful insight that to see that he sees it that way. That point, um, I, I might, I'd use the same seed differently now. I'm a different yeah. person. Life is different. Yeah. I think it's absolutely fascinating. I, I'd, I just jotted down one of the things he said. Um, he said, definitely almost never comes by trying to get in a super spiritual state of mind. You just live and then the ideas sometimes come at unusual points. Mm. Really helpful. Um, Sam, could you give us a, a little burst um, just to remind us how, how the song goes? Purify my heart 
Let me be as gold and precious silver purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold, refined as My heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be. Hooray! Thank you, Sam. That's a lovely rendition. Do you want to kick us off with uh, any thoughts on... Yeah. I think for me, the great thing about this uh, is that there is a really clear theme and a really clear kind of both biblical extended metaphor and a clear kind of liturgical context, as in when you would use it. Mm -hmm. So rather than going, oh, I've started off with this seed idea of purifying or um, purifying my heart, and then I've jumped off and I've gone for loads and loads of different metaphors and, and you know, some stuff about guilt and some stuff about the cross and some stuff about this and that and the other. He's really just, he's, you know, he said in the interview, didn't he? He went off with his concordance. He went to find out what does that phrase purify my heart mean? What does it mean to be purified like gold and silver? And so I guess Malachi 3 is probably the most obvious kind of clear passage. He will be like a refiner's fire. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver he will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. So it feels to me like Brian has really dug into that metaphor. And it is, you know, it's not a metaphor that we naturally use today because not many of us are kind of purifying gold and silver left, right and centre. But it is a biblical metaphor. And therefore, to have a song that kind of unpacks that for us, uh, to me, is quite helpful. And I, I just feel like with this song, you know, I know where this fits. Mm. I know that this fits in if I am wanting to ask God to purify us and cleanse us, uh, then, you know, it's a gap and he's he's just filled it. So I love that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick out a few couple of technical bits. Um, it, it's really interesting in, in critiquing this that he basically tells us that the first couple of lines of melody were given into him directly from the Lord and then the rest <laughs> he wrote. So you sort of feel like, oh, no, I can say. But interestingly, the first couple of lines of melody are very good. And... Um, <laughs> the, they really, oh, yes lord um because you get this um you get these leaps and then movement by steps you get do 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 so you get these little sequence leaps but do badum badum and then do 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 so you get this kind of thing of the, the leaps engage you the steps give you somewhere really comfortable to land um yeah, that combination in there makes it gives it a hook, but also makes it super singable. And I think that's that's one of yeah. those things I point out. And clearly, those that was the Lord's melody, 
the rest of the, <laughs> melody, the rest of the melody is pretty good too. Um, <laughs> he also does another thing, which I think has been um, lots of people have commented on this over the years, but just takes an idea like holy, which is a bit of jargon, and this explains yeah. it in the next line. I choose to yeah. be holy. What does that mean? Set apart for you, Lord. All oh, right. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Now, I guess that could lead to a, a bit of an essay of a song, mm. but done well, it's actually, it invites people in because it draws in the people and it explains what we mean and, and, and so on, clarifies things. <clears throat> There's another thing that goes on, which could be a weakness, maybe in a little way it is, but... Um, I mean, we know this is one of the first songs that, that Brian wrote, and there's a naivety to its construction and, and to, the, to the writing of it. And one of the things is it's got, there's a classic cliched rhyme, which is sin within. I've got lots mm. of sin deep within. Now, mm. clearly it's kind of a cliched rhyme, but the one thing he does which really helps is that he saves the solid word as the landing. So if you say, oh, I have so much sin deep within, then... It feels like a slightly cliched rhyme, but if you say, when I search within, I see the depth of my sin, well, that feels like a really good rhyme. And that's the same thing that's happened here. So, purify my heart, cleanse me from within, make me holy, purify my heart, cleanse me from my sin. It does then go on to deep within again, which in some ways, it undoes the force of that excellent bit of rhyming. But it's a good example <laughs> of taking this strong word and making it the landing of your rhyme. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in the first verse, he essentially just rhymes gold with gold and gold. Yeah, it's a lot of repetition. It, I it, suppose I suppose he was trying to avoid going, cleanse me from my sin, all my sin, 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 sin. Like, because sin is, you know, obviously the more negative word, maybe he's trying to steer away from that and, and focus on the the within. I'm going to say that the today's Brian would have done that, but 1989's Brian probably didn't notice the specific rhyme scheme he'd set up. Yeah, quite possibly. That, that would be my guess. It's still our usual thing. If if Brian had brought it to us, uh, how would we have fed back? How might we have encouraged him to improve it? What comments might we have made? Yeah, I'm just going to focus in on what I think is, I would call the pre-chorus, because it's the kind of ramping up from the verse into the chorus moment, uh, Refiner's Fire. And one comment is that it puts the emphasis on the wrong syllable. The you don't say a refiner. God a is refiner. a refiner. You say God is a refiner. But he goes refiner's fire. But is that like when Americans don't say defense, they say defense? I don't. That's a good point. Maybe they do say a refiner. <laughs> do you think they do? Feel free to email Joel Payne at Resound Worship <laughs> with. Not your comments um an offense but anyway yeah yeah i don't <laughs> it feels think this. to me like you could you could do a sort of one refiner's fire um and then also it's my heart rather than my heart's one so it could be refiner's fire my heart's one is a you could have had a little bit of, uh, you know, melodic playing on the word heart and really emphasise heart. And also, there is that thing with this where if you're going to repeat the chorus, if you just repeat the chorus, it doesn't really make sense. Ready to do your will. 
is to be that doesn't fully make sense to start the, the line of is to be so you've always got to repeat what i'm saying is the pre-chorus as well so i'm not saying that's wrong i don't know if i would call it the pre-chorus but you're absolutely right that structurally it's like it's sort of because it is a it is a landing. Refiners, is you know, it's a chord one. It's very much landing. It's a launch into the chorus. But the structure of the chorus, by repeating the second half of it, makes you feel like it must have not been part of the chorus. So it's a little yeah. bit confusing structurally. Very similar to Faithful One, um, which is the other massive Brian mm. Dirksen classic, which has a slightly through composed meandering thing that doesn't quite, um, you know, it doesn't quite repeat sections and so on. There's one bit of melody in it that everybody gets wrong. Um, and that is... <laughs> did I get it wrong? Yeah, you did. <laughs> and um, <laughs> But clearly Brian doesn't, because when he sings it on the um, on the interview, you hear, um, let me be as gold. He stays up for gold. Okay. But in congregations the world over, maybe not yours, listener, but definitely in many, the, let me be as gold. Yeah. Um and that could be, I mean, you could just say, well, you know, silly congregations. But it is quite a good example of that sort of the congregations always right maxim, mm. which is sing it with a few congregations. If everyone keeps going to that note, that might be actually the best note for the song. Uh, I'm not saying it necessarily mm. is. I, I've sort of trained myself into the higher note by looking at the music and hearing Brian Dirksen at some point, realising I got it wrong. But but mm. in the there must have been a version somewhere where saying someone dropped down there yeah it's well it's either in that. the oral tradition that has been passed on or it has just always sounded to there's something so intuitive about that interval that people have have gone for it either way there's been a sense of defaulting towards it i have a slight question about when we sing i mean listen let's, let's get this straight we by and large, we review songs that we think are brilliant. This is yeah. a brilliant song. Okay, I just want yeah. to get that out there. But when we sing, <laughs> and I wish I'd written it and so on, but when we sing Refiner's Fire, are we singing to the Refiner's Fire or about mm. the Refiner's Fire? What is that line doing? Grammatically, I'm not quite sure. Are we saying the Refiner's Fire is my heart's one desire or are we saying, oh, Refiner's Fire, you over there, my one desire is to be holy and set apart for you, Lord. Because then we get it gets a bit confused about which member of the Trinity we're talking to and, and so on. What do you think the answer to that is? I think he is calling God the refiner's fire. But I I could be wrong. Yeah. He could just be quoting that phrase almost as if to say, hey, this phrase is Good. what's really yeah. the heart of this <laughs> yeah, yeah, What's absolutely. Really the heart of the song? So that that'd be my point, and then um, my final point would be in in the chorus, um, the high point of the chorus, and you do this kind of leap, which gives it a little hooky. I mm. choose to be, and we just have this big landing on B, yeah, rather than holy, which is the yeah. um, which is the thing, um, and none of this takes away from its singability, and in other ways, none of it takes away from its impact, um. But there are all these sort of little tweaks you can do, to, you could do or have done to sharpen it up and so on. Mm. There we are. Refiner's Fire, Purify My Heart. Great song, Brian. We love it. Nice one. 12 song challenge. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I can announce that after a three-month hiatus, the 12th song challenge... I think I'm peaking. I think I <laughs> You peaked a while ago. Yeah, I think I did. It's about five years ago. The 12th song challenge is open! Oh, roll up, roll up, get your challenges here! Take on the ultimate pain. Yes, it, maximum pain. Get it right. If you're going to use my wrestling name... Use I'm, still, I'm still, I'm still, you know... Are you still refining Still it? trying new ideas. Okay, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Uh, yes, 12-song challenge has begun. I am so excited about this, Sam. I'm not even putting <laughs> that on. I am genuinely excited about the 12-song challenge. I'm also calling it the season. I'm calling it this season. You know like you do with TV shows? Um, because yeah. it's not actually starting at the beginning and end of a year, and it's sort of confusing. So this season of the 12 Song Challenge, which begins today on the 1st of April, we have thrown open the floodgates and we're very excited. Between us and the team, we are excited to take on this challenge with you. So without further ado, I think we should announce, if you haven't sneakily looked at the title of the podcast, we should (laughs) announce the theme of the April Challenge. Drum roll. The theme for april is holy spirit songs oh yeah oh yeah we thought we'd start off with a tricky one pentecost is coming up in may so we figured if we start writing some songs now they could be useful next month so this is a great opportunity to be a bit topical and and if your church follows any any kind of season and lots of churches even if they are not in the least bit sort of liturgical often do take in christmas easter and pentecost mm. um so pentecost coming up and could have a song to sing um holy spirit songs it is a tricky one i, I um was looking around for a, a good holy spirit song that we could do in dissector classic to start the show and to be honest Sam and I struggled a little bit to think of one that we both knew well. Um, th- there are some, um, but um, they're hard to find. So we're going to have a go at writing them. And we could, I mean, we could multiply the number of Holy Spirit songs by about a thousand percent or something in this one <laughs> month if we do it well. So it's quite hard to find good ones. I think most of us will agree. There are some, there are some good examples. Um, the Holy Spirit, therefore, is probably somewhat underrepresented in our songs one way or another and possibly in our theology or our theological understanding it's often a bit of a sort of a place we don't quite know most of the answers so we sort of skirt around um and it's also worth saying that the sort of doctrines of the holy spirit that we hold personally or within our denominations or our churches probably is a point of difference between people on this challenge um as well as you know throughout the wider church so this is probably going to be one of those challenges where some of us are going to write things that others don't necessarily entirely doctrinally agree with and that'll be something we'll we'll chat about and how we navigate in in feeding back but um as is often the case with these things we recognize that we're not necessarily experts so we thought we would turn to an expert and um sam met up with William Atkinson, who is Senior Lecturer of Pentecostal Theology at London School of Theology. Well, William Atkinson, it's lovely to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Uh, You're Senior Lecturer in Pentecostal Theology, is that right, at London School of Theology? Absolutely right, Sam, and it's great to be with you. Awesome. And what's, just give us a little bit of your background before that. 
Uh, I've been in pastoral work, led churches, uh, Pentecostal, Elam Pentecostal, ordained in 1990. Before that, a very brief career in medicine. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm really interested. We're obviously about to do um, our challenge around writing songs for Pentecost and on the Holy Spirit. And you are senior lecturer in Pentecostal theology. Uh, so I'm interested in, firstly, I mean, what is Pentecostal theology? What contribution can it make, do you think? I, I wonder, I have a feeling that it has felt to me a little bit on the periphery, perhaps, of some, at least of some of the academic conversations. But, um, yes, that's yeah, right. Pentecostal thinking for the bulk of the 20th century was just ignored yeah. by the sort of theology that was going on in the universities and colleges, even the, the evangelical Bible colleges in the mm. middle of the 20th century, you know, conservative evangelicalism, um, wasn't interested in Pentecostalism. And really, all of that began to change in 1970, okay. when a guy called Jimmy Dunn um, had his PhD published and he uh, set out to uh, rubbish uh, the famous classical Pentecostal doctrine of baptism in the spirit being something identifiably different from becoming a Christian and potentially occurring later and having a different effect in your life. Yeah. And he, as I say, set out to rubbish that. And it set off a whole load, actually, <laughs> of academic debate. And um, since then, there's been a, so we're talking now 20 years, aren't, uh, 50 yeah. years, yeah. aren't we? Um, really significant shift um, in various ways. One is that uh, a more kind of academic Pentecostal thinking about God, which is, and chatting about God, which is what yeah. theology means, has matured and gone off in all sorts of different directions with fascinating global ramifications. And uh, so it's matured. Another thing that's happened is that the other academics uh, have had to sit up and take notice. Mm. And uh, a third thing that's happened is that it's had a knock-on effect in its interest in the Holy Spirit, because you're asking what can it contribute. So there's a focus on the Holy Spirit as God here now. God at work in the church, in the world, in us today. Yeah. And this focus on the Holy Spirit has had a knock-on effect. So I'd say the third major um, contribution or implication is that uh, Trinitarianism, mm. our belief that God is, is not just one, there is one God, but mm. that God is identifiably in some mysterious way, three, yeah. um, has taken off again, having yeah. been rather shoved into the background, actually, mm. and ending up in some famous works of systematic theology as the final chapter tucked away <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Trinitarianism has come to take front and centre stage. And one of the things that the fresh Trinitarianism is doing yeah. is it's challenging a sort of Trinitarianism that has been codenamed, and I hope that our listeners can work this one out for themselves, <laughs> Binitarianism. Okay. Think bicycle and tricycle and you've yeah. got it. Yeah. And you can probably guess which two of the three turn off in binitarianism and which Indeed. is the one that's ignored. I yeah. mean, I think our listeners can work that one out. I'm yeah, not even going yeah, to yeah. insult them by saying. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that sort of binitarianism, you definitely see that in worship songs because I think in most kind of when people look through a book or they look through a body of material, if you just do the, it's a fairly blunt instrument, but if you look through and say, well, how many times is the father mentioned? How many times is the son? How many times is the spirit? 
the spirit always comes out lowest uh, in almost every collection of of works. And I I think that probably people are perhaps a bit nervous about writing songs that address the spirit, or they're not quite sure what they should be saying about the spirit. So, I mean, what would you be saying to people if they were thinking of writing songs? How would you be encouraging them to write? First of all, we need to consider whether the spirit needs to get mentioned in songs. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily the case. Uh, I, I would actually, at this point, uh, put in a word for the father. Mm. Uh, Tom Smale, who some of uh, our listeners may have heard of, wrote a book called The Forgotten Father. Mm. And a lot of our worship is very Jesus-centered. Yeah. And um, I like to think that... Uh, Jesus doesn't mind that at all because Jesus is looking for faith-filled, loving hearts, not theological niceties. Yeah. And while we're worshiping Jesus, Jesus is loving it if our hearts are right. Yeah. And is saying, "Hey, Dad, this one's for you," and <laughs> kind of passing it on up the chain. I mean, that's yeah. a, that's a very uh, <laughs> poor way of expressing my Trinitarian theology. <laughs> But yeah, so if we do uh, feel led to uh, write songs and sing songs that either address the spirit or focus on the spirit, maybe the spirit's doing the same kind of thing. Mm. Hey, guys, this is for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Reaches the heavenly eternal throne. Mm. True worship does, I'm sure. And um, Tom Smale uh, also wrote uh, books on the Holy Spirit And in one of them, also with an intriguing title, The Giving Gift, Mm. there was a chapter title which I've always loved, which is The Person Without a Face. Mm. And I think that that title alone, you hardly need to read the chapter, evokes this idea that the spirit is uh, the divine person who invites us not to look at but kind of to look through the person Mm. without a face, the person who's a window rather than a portrait. And as we try to gaze at the spirit, we can't see anything. It's like looking at the wind. Can you see the wind? But we are led, if our hearts are right, Mm. to see Jesus who points us to the Father. So sure, yes, uh, I, I, I'm sure everyone listening to this is going to seek to be led by the Spirit. And sure, if they sense that leading, don't fail to mention the Spirit, mm. but you may want to weave that in. Mm. So artificial songs, one verse about the Father, one verse about yeah. the Son, one verse about the Spirit, always in that order. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe that's not the best way to go, but it's... What is it that we value about the Spirit? What do we appreciate about you, Holy Spirit? What do we want you to be doing in our lives? Mm. Lots of things. And one of them is to point us to the Father. Mm. And maybe that can be wrapped up in the words of songs. Um, we quite often find places in the Bible, actually, where the Father and the Son are mentioned mm. and the Spirit isn't. Yeah. So this so to speak, invisibility of the Spirit mm. is there in the Bible as well. Yeah. And it's part of what I love, actually, part yeah. of the mystery. Yeah. And if I may suggest one thing that we could uh, usefully 
sing about in our adoration of God is the sense of mystery. Mm. And while Jesus, God is mysterious, full stop. Mm. Having said that, Jesus is perhaps the easiest to get some kind of mental handle on mm. because he walked on earth 2,000 years ago as a man mm. and people met him and touched him and heard him and ate with him. Mm. Um, but I think the least navigable mentally of mm. the three divine persons is the spirit. Mm. And so songs that perhaps somehow celebrated the invisibility of the spirit, the yeah. mysteriousness of the spirit, yeah. I think would be good. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe even, what about the sort of, I don't know if this is the right word, but maybe the humility of the spirit as well, in a sense that the spirit is yes. kind of always giving the glory to the father and the son. And um, yes, is there is there something in there? Yes, absolutely. How about... Um, when we do these challenges, we often encourage people to sort of start with the Bible to sort of go and look at the, the passages which will really sort of give fuel to our songs and not just to kind of be making up off the top of our head, but actually to really look. Are there particular passages around the spirit that you would point people to? As a Pentecostal, I'm going to start with the day of Pentecost, Acts <laughs> chapter two. I think that's a really good place to start. Mm. And as soon as we arrive at Acts chapter 2, we're thrust back into Joel chapter 2, mm. where uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, says these words are being fulfilled before your eyes, everyone, mm. that in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Mm. So Joel comes to mind. But then other Old Testament passages which mention glory or cloud yeah. or fire mm. or oil. I'm thinking of Solomon dedicating the temple and the yeah, yeah. priests not being able to function yeah. because of the cloud of divine glory, Shekinah, mm. settled in the temple. Um, and then in the New Testament, well, there are other passages in Acts. It's very easy to find reference to the Holy Spirit in Acts. I would go to what Jesus said, as recorded in the Gospels, we find a lot in Luke's gospel, but not only there, uh, about the Holy Spirit, some of the promises Jesus made. Let's sing in celebration that Jesus fulfills the promises that he made about the Spirit. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. And what about spiritual gifts? I mean, you talked about uh, a little bit about that that theology of a sort of um, being baptized in the spirit but, but it, I guess another Pentecostal distinctive isn't a focus on receiving the gifts of the spirit um, is there is there shape is there space for for writing I, mean, I can't really think of a song that talks about receiving gifts of the spirit or or that sense of God's in, empowering us yes these are the days of Elijah the Mm. something something being restored yeah. there's this idea of the restoration of the gifts i think that we call it eschatological last days mm -hmm. end time excitement that, that god is on the move yeah. like aslan in narnia yeah, yeah. um and winter is coming to an end sorry i'm going to wax eloquent about that's aslan. good preach it <laughs> um so i think there are songs of a restorationist okay. slant that restoration of the gifts 
Yes, I don't know that there are many songs that come to my mind either that mention specific gifts of prophecy or tongues or healing. Um, I think I've sung one or two over the years actually about the dead being raised. Yeah. Uh, some mountains move, dead are raised. Yeah, yeah. All is done in Jesus' name. Something's yeah. coming back to me there from <laughs> years gone by. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we be? Well, yes and no. Uh, carpenter doesn't necessarily focus on her or his tools mm. it's the product and product is a rather ugly word to use but it it might help by way of a slight analogy that is not so much a question of focusing on the gifts but what did god give them for yeah you mentioned receiving them of course it's to use them so yeah number one they're to be used but then again why for the building of the church, the glory of the name of God, the manifestation of God's kingdom on earth, mm. and uh, our mutual upbuilding and doing each other good. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I could imagine gifts getting a mention, but not along the lines of how wonderful it is that we have prophecy in our church, <laughs> but rather how wonderful God is. And whenever there's a prophecy that points in that direction, we're excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I think that maybe it's a good um, balancing, isn't it? So I feel when perhaps in the, I can think in the sort of 70s, 80s, 90s, there's quite a lot of stuff about resting in the spirit or feeling the spirit. And although I'm, I'm all kind of all for that, I think the, the emphasis perhaps lean too much into the sort of I of it and the experience, I feel you, you're so close to me, almost to the detriment of why am I feeling you? What what's the what's the end goal of why you're kind of meeting with me, God? And what you're talking about suggests that it's it's you know there's an end to this. There's a sending out. There's a a bringing of the kingdom. Yes, the words Pentecostal, which we've used, and charismatic, which I think we haven't, mm. are often flung together. Yeah. Certainly in the sort of um, academic theological circles I move in and there's mm. talk about Pentecostal charismatic movements and they're written with an oblique stroke between them. Yeah. But there, there is a, well, there are various historical uh, differences. Mm. Um, but I think as well, certainly in the early days of the charismatic movement and the early days of the Pentecostal movement, a couple of generations before that, um, there was an identifiable difference. Uh, and I, please, no one hear me to say that I'm making a sweeping generalization that covers every case. Sure. But I, I think on occasion there was a difference of slant, which was that Pentecostals, if they're behaving themselves, <laughs> are saying that God has poured out the Holy Spirit on us so that we are empowered for mission, yeah. Acts 1, 8, yeah. and, and, and other similar texts, that we are called to take God's goodness to those who do not yet know the mm, Lord mm. and the Lord's benefits and grace. And I'm not saying that was absent from the early decades of the charismatic movement as I knew it in the UK, mm. but um, there was perhaps more of a focus on intimacy with God. Yeah, yeah. The Spirit has come upon me yeah. to lead me to the bosom of the Father. Yeah. And nothing wrong with either of those in fact i would say mm. we need both it's mm. rather like um 
in the 90s with Toronto and that kind of thing, are we seeking God's hand or God's face? And it's the same kind of thing. Perhaps Pentecostals have been a bit guilty of seeking God's hand. You know, we want the power to get out there and do stuff. We tend to be activists. Yeah. And other worshippers who may call themselves charismatic, I appreciate that not everyone would identify with these labels, but I've been wheeled on because it's my area. (laughs) We appreciate that. (laughs) So I hope others can hear me in their own context. Um, Have uh, have sensed that the the spirit is is there to enable me to nestle and to see God's face, but uh, we need both. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's a really good place to to wrap up. I think. I mean, I really appreciate this, William. And uh, as uh, you know, someone who's been a, a colleague of yours, I've appreciated. You know, back in the day when we could stand in chapel together and raise our arms and worship God, but also, you know, your rigor in in your theology as well. I someone put something about you on Facebook the other day, and someone said, "Oh, and he's the he's the best uh, supervisor you could have for your PhD or something." And I thought that was very encouraging. So. <laughs> Thank you for everything that you've uh, you've given us and all that you contribute. Oh, thank you. And it's been great to be with you today. Real pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you, William. Um, and that gives us a good sort of grounding to press on and um, try and dig into this. Um, because this is the first challenge of the season, I thought it might be helpful to give a few slightly more general how am I going to get started on this song? Um, bits of advice, but actually they do apply particularly well to to this topic as well. Yeah. Um, so I've got four thinks for us, Sam. Um, the first think is think liturgically. Ah, that's terrified half our listeners. Um, <laughs> what that means is um, think about the order and flow of worship, as in where in that is your song for as i mentioned that earlier already that um with refiner's fire he can see clearly where it fits in a gathered worship service so that's one of the things to ask because if you don't ask yourself that question especially with a slightly hazy topic like the holy spirit yeah then you're likely to write a song that is possibly not useful for anything rather than a song that is specifically useful so that will guide and direct um the kind of song you write and potentially the kind of language the kind of content that you have within it um the second thing is to think theologically. Gosh, these are very sort of, you can tell i am been lecturing recently. <laughs> um, but what I mean by that is, do, do I really understand what I'm saying about the Spirit? What, what do I know? What is my theological position, if you like? Or what is my, what is my church's particular doctrine? It is really worth reading something. Just saying, mm. do you know what? I've probably made a whole load of assumptions or there's a bunch of stuff I don't understand. Maybe I could find something, find a book, an article, a website or something. Just read up on it a bit. What can I read? What can I find out? That would just help me and just bash into shape a bit of the stuff I think. So think a bit theologically. The third thing is to think biblically. And again, this might seem like a really obvious thing to say. But what I mean with this is there is a bunch of stuff about the spirit we might say and quite often it's a conclusion drawn from a kind of breadth of biblical ideas and, and things yeah. like that. W- one thing that can really help on a slightly tricky and occasionally contentious topic is hang your thing off, hang your song off something the Bible actually does say. 
Yeah. So you don't have to only do that. But if you're going to dig into your Bible and find, you know, what does it say about the Spirit? Where does it mention the Spirit? If that kind of is a bit of a core for your song, then you've got a really solid thing you can be really, you know, everyone can hold on to. And then that gives you a bit more, bit more room to then explore issues and ideas around it. And then finally, think pastorally. And that is to think now about your congregation. Now, again, you want to do this with all songs, really. Um, I like sometimes to literally close my eyes and picture the room, picture the people mm. in it as I'm writing. And I, I start singing my song and I, in my mind's eye, I look at them. Are they joining in? How is it impacting them? So I, I think visually in that way. But especially in this case, you know, <clears throat> is the language, are the themes, are the things you're going to write, is that going to unite people? Is it going to divide people? Um, mm. Is it going to address where they really are at? Will it be relevant to them? And so on. What are you going to sing or say about or to the Holy Spirit and how it's actually going to impact the people who you yeah. are going to put the words into their mouths? That, those are my four things. That's really good. Uh, I've got a few seed ideas, thinking back to Brian's uh, yeah. idea of having seeds and maybe just if people think, oh, I don't even know where to start with this. Um and so one is to think around metaphor. We, we, we said that refiner's fire is one clear biblical metaphor that Brian has worked through in, in that song. And uh, again, with the Holy Spirit, there are tons of metaphors, aren't there? I mean, the Holy Spirit is only really referred to metaphorically. We can't, you know, we haven't got a, 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 an image of yeah. uh, him, but we've got, you know, that he is... Uh, like a fire and like a dove and like water and you know all these different biblical metaphors so uh, you might just pick one and really go hard into that or you might pick a few and and contrast them Uh, but that may be a a way to start thinking about your song Uh, secondly again something that William said about naming the spirit within the work of the trinity so this song uh, may be about you saying you know holy spirit you know, lead me to the Father or Holy Spirit reveal the truth that the Son has, you know, shown us, that kind of thing. So just sort of locating the Spirit within the Godhead and within what it is you're trying to talk about uh, and being explicit about that. That might be something you, you look into. But do we want to say, but we want to slightly steer you away from just trying to write a Trinity song. We still, we still, we want it to be a Holy Spirit song, but you could... You, one of the ways of doing that is to write it trinitarianly does that make sense yes yeah. yes exactly yeah um no, that's good um also i was thinking you might write want to write a song for now as in this moment we're at in human history or, or your church's history so i was thinking it might be about restoring or healing or reviving or, uh, you know, leading us into truth in the light of, you know, some of the stuff going on in our culture. We might say, you know, spirit in this moment, do this in us. Uh, that's sort of very dynamic aspect of the Holy Spirit that he is at work in us now. And therefore, whatever is going on in our churches or in our world or in our country, uh, the spirit ought to have things to do and say into your current context. And so maybe that's the thing. And then a final seed. This is one that's sort of more from my own kind of recent kind of personal reflection and stuff. Um, I've been reading a bit about uh, 24-7 prayer. If you know that movement, uh, Pete Gregg and and many others reading the, there's a book called um, Red Moon Rising, which is about the the beginning of the 24-7 prayer movement. And it is so exciting. And it reads like the book of Acts in that God is speaking and God is bringing like amazing kind of seeming coincidences together of people and 
just you know god is doing works of healing and all, all these different things that they um evangelism all these different things that they're kind of seeing uh, happen around them and it just really made me think that when you read the book of acts you know the christian life is not boring um and if we have this sense that oh you know it's it's boring being a christian then i think we're sort of doing it wrong somehow because you know it's very easy for me to to go towards safety to go towards oh this is you know this is the sensible thing to do this is the mature thing to do this is the you know all of that kind of stuff but actually you know if i woke up in the morning and say holy spirit lead me today mm. you know and if i follow up on the 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 nudges of the spirit when the spirit says go and talk to that person or why don't you give that person a ring or why don't you you know pray for that person or do this or do that or you know my life's not going to be boring if I follow what the spirit is saying so I wondered if that would resonate with anyone else uh listening to this is this that sort of sense of the day-to-day dynamic of following the spirit and and being led in the sort of adventure of the Christian life Mm. yeah I love those great seeds great seeds so what do we do now well um it's probably just worth setting that out for us um we've set the challenge we're excited about seeing you take it on um and this is how it'll work for the next month just um to reiterate that you can read this stuff away so first up you've got to go away and work on a song so that's what you're going to do a lot of us that will be on our own but it may be that you're collaborating with someone collaborations are fine at any time if you want to collaborate with someone else in in the challenge or outside the challenge whatever you want to do but go away and work on a song um our very good friends at United Adoration are once again this year going to lead some what we call mini day retreats um, where they're going to run UK time 9.30am till 4.30pm, which does involve some of our American friends getting up about four o'clock in the morning. It's crazy. But they used to seem to be keen on this. So uh, the first one is going to be the 10th of April. There'll be details on the website. Um, the details and emails as well and uh, you'll be able to sign up and uh, it'll be on zoom and so on so this first one of those that's going to happen so huge thank you to rachel and the team at united adoration um, and i know a bunch of people found those really helpful last time if that's how you'd like to get things going in the first month and it's going to happen on the 10th of april once you have your song draft you need to make some kind of recording of it now i'm going to say this several times over the months i want to encourage you don't go to town on the production. Mm. Um, and there are two reasons for that. One is that actually what we're most interested in is the song. And sometimes the production can can actually take a lot of the weight of the song. And we kind of want to strip some of that away. You know, if you yeah. need to put in a, a beat or something because of the kind of style of song it is or something, you know, fine. But um, most of us can... we. Most of us can figure out a song without the production on it. That's kind of the beauty of this. But also it encourages you to not feel like you finished it. Um, if mm. you kind of really go to the town of the production and the harmonies and everything else, you're kind of putting investing a lot. And then when you share it, if somebody says, oh, I think you should completely change the, the chorus, um, that could be a bit of a pain. And the, the point yeah, of sharing to do. is to invite some, some feedback. Um, so make a recording of it. But it can literally just be, you know, get your phone, hit record, play an instrument, sing the song. It doesn't have to be any more clever than that. You'll you'll notice when Sam and me and Rachel and Keiko and others do it, you get a variety of different standards of recording yeah. depending on where we're at, what's going on. 
when you make your recording and you export it or save it, make sure it's in a compressed format and you will know if it is because the size will be less than about eight or nine megabytes. So it's just to do with the amount of size we've got on, on the workspace. We can't deal with people uploading videos and WAV files and AIF files and so on. So, so check the size of it. Um, and if you don't know how to reduce it, to be honest, if you just sort of Google online um, online audio format converter, you can often just upload it and it will to somewhere and it will just send you it back in a converted form. Then you're going to put it on the Slack April Challenge channel. Do look on our website at the videos that just explain how to format that because we've got a quite specific way of doing it just so that it makes it nice and easy for people to go through and look through. If you're very experienced on 12 Song Challenge, make sure you go and check because people will copy you and it is a bit different to last year. Having done that, you're now ready to sit back and wait for some feedback on it. But while you're sitting back and waiting for some feedback, now is your time to go and have a look through some other songs that people have written. Um, now, the rules of the challenge are you have to do find three songs and make some constructive feedback on them every month. Now, you're not limited to three songs, of course, and you might find in the first month you want to do a whole load because it's quite exciting. Gra gradually, you kind of you find your level and you'll do about that many. But, you know, scroll around the ones that are near to you or wait a few days and come back and check in. And once you actually put something on a song, you'll then get notifications when other people comment or it will appear in your threads on Slack. So upload your song so that other people can, can make comments on it. And then three constructive comments. And I wanted to just reiterate the point. And I think probably particularly because we're beginning on a, a topic which where there will be some slight theological differences between people. Um, is We want to respect each other's traditions in this. So, you yeah. know, we're kind of generally holding to the historic creeds. But when it comes to some of the finer points of doctrine, <clears throat> we're, we want to respect people's theological positions we're trying to encourage good songwriting and and just respect that there are there are going to be differences in the way that we we view some of this stuff yeah um and well that's it really that's all you've got to do and then what you can do if you want as you get some feedback on your song you can go away and work on it and you can make another little recording or put up some new lyrics or something you can do it all in the thread of your song and anyone who's already interacted with your song will get notified that you've changed it so it'll be great they'll come back and they can check and you can carry on the conversation i found that really helpful at times sometimes to really heavily work on a song in a month other times i just take it away and i quietly work on it on my own um, and don't forget as well the joker is available to you i mean my advice would be don't play the joker in the first month the joker <laughs> the joker is where you get to say Oh, I couldn't do it. Just can't do it. I'm going to post any. I'm going to post a different song, and you can just yeah. abandon and ignore the theme for that month and do whatever you want. That might be because you're writing a song for church or something, and it's you know you think I've got this great team of people. I want to get some feedback, but honestly, I would save it, save it for later. <laughs> They're just going to get harder from here on in. So, no, I do that. <laughs> so that's it for this month. Um, thanks very much for listening. Do get in touch if you want to. Email us podcast at resign worship. Org. Um, find us on Twitter. You can tweet us at Resound Worship or on facebook.com forward slash resoundworship.org. I think that's right. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And we will look forward to seeing you on Slack. Um, do find the Facebook group as well. There's always stuff going on 
on there. And we're going to finish with a featured song. And this is the song I mentioned at the beginning. Brand new song by Andy Clark. We lift our voices for the Lord is good. And for this one, um, because it's been a pretty miserable last 12 months, and because it's so unlikely for Andy to write such a cheerful song, we have gone to town on it. <laughs> we have gone full, full on cheerful pop. And bless him, Andy has gone along with it. So I uh, hope you enjoy it. to the Lord Most High With joyful singing we will glorify The great Creator The author of all life We are His people and He is our God He always guides us in His ways with love Let joyful praises this place in song For the Lord is good We shout for joy because the Lord is good He rules the earth with everlasting love How good is our God Enter His presence with a thankful heart Enter his courts and let the praises start Give God the glory, for he deserves it all All of creation lives to worship God We were created as an act of love Let adoration flow from this place in Because the Lord is good He 
Christ everlasting.